Hey everybody, welcome to The Carol Connection. I'm your host, Jared Carroll, here to bring you guys another great episode. I did want to take a chance to shout out last week's episode, episode 158, birthday reflection, year 28. So on that episode, I went solo. I talked about uh, pretty much celebrating my birthday, talked about reflecting on past birthday reflection episodes, and just kind of talked about my year and some of the things I've been going through, some of the things I'm planning to do, and things of that nature. And if you like hearing me go solo, it's a it's a good episode to kind of get some insight into what I'm thinking and what I've kind of gone through this past year. So you can check that out at thecarolconnection.simplecast.com. Also available Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. If you like to watch your podcast, go to YouTube, search The Carol Connection or Jared M. Carol, and it should pop up right for you. And if you want to be a guest or return as a guest, hit me up on Instagram at Jared and Carol or at The Carol Connection, and we'll set that up. And I always like to give this caveat for right now. I'm pretty much booked out the rest of the year for the holidays and stuff like that. So if you're coming home from the holidays, reach out if you want to do an episode and I could try to um, link some stuff up and I'll move some stuff around to try to squeeze in episodes. But a lot of the episodes will be coming in 2024 if you want to be a guest. So keep that in mind and we'll, we'll schedule as we can. So for today's episode, bringing another great guest for episode 159, Abby Hopkins. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Happy to be here. Appreciate for you coming on. So I like to kind of start the podcast by saying, um, or at least asking who you are and what you're doing currently. Um, so I'm Abby Hopkins, grew up in Seekonk, been here for my whole life. Um, and currently I am a professional equestrian. So I've been doing that for a while too, but it's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah. And we'll get into that as yeah. we, we go through the podcast and I like to start these podcasts by talking about family dynamic. And for first time listeners, I like to always explain why I do this. And I always use this same old cliche metaphor, basically, of like building a house, the foundation of the house. For us in the life story, it's our family. It's where we come from. It really is the building block for our life. And just to do this kind of somewhat chronologically, I always like to start with family dynamic to kind of give me uh, insight into how you grew up and what you've kind of gone through a little bit. So whatever you're comfortable with sharing, uh, I'll let you take the floor with that. Yeah. So like I said, I grew up in Seekonk. My mom's like a school teacher. So everyone here probably knows my mom. Um, I had one brother. Our family was like extremely active. Like we did not have cable growing up. We had one TV that we still have that has a box on the back of it. We hardly ever did that. We were always outside. Like my brother and I ran around the neighborhood like feral animals most of the time. And our parents always wanted us outside. We played every sport basically under the sun. And we were just always doing stuff like never sitting still, which fits pretty well with my whole family. Yeah. I think having that, that dynamic of, being outside is like really beneficial and that's really great that your parents instilled that early on and got away yeah. from like a lot of the modern technology stuff that was like really coming out at the time that we were kids too to like kind of like no we're not going to watch tv yeah. we're going to do things outside and the like i've been really into the the connection of nature and stuff like that so like having that connection at such an early age i mean people talk about stuff like grounding and stuff i don't know if you ever heard about that um 
just like connecting to the earth and things like that. So like just being able to kind of, to be outside, to kind of just do those things and be adventurous and stuff like that was probably really beneficial to, to you growing up. I don't know if, um, was there like any specific like outdoor activities, like whether it was hiking, camping, probably a bunch of that. All of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. My dad especially is big into hiking. He was always like a boy scout troop leader. So like they always did that. And like, I went on like boy scout camping trips just cause my dad would just bring me along. And we would always go camping, and I'm not huge on bugs, but I learned <laughs> at a young age that I was going to suck it up and live with that. Um, so, yeah, we did that all the time. Yeah, I think that's really great, because I definitely didn't have so much of the outdoors experience, I would say, yeah. growing up. Um, definitely, like, the type of, like, go outside and just play outside, whether it was my cousins or my neighbors and stuff like that, that was always kind of just the expectation, but we didn't really do too much of like camping and stuff like that. I kind of stumbled that and stumbled into that. I should say later into life where I've really gotten to hiking and stuff like that. And man, the benefits of like just being outdoors and hiking and stuff like that, especially I love New Hampshire. It's like one of my favorite places to be and to be in the mountains to like kind of be disconnected. I know we were talking a lot off the podcast about stuff like this, being disconnected from social media, being disconnected from like kind of reality a little bit and actually being in real reality a yeah. little bit. It's weird to like think about it like that, but the the nature aspect of things is super valuable. So it's really great to to hear that you were able to experience that uh growing up and even to have like your parents together and stuff like that too. It's yeah. a blessing in disguise. I've talked to to so many people that have different family dynamics and I think it's always cool to kind of shed light into to that aspect. And I always say like, I'm very privileged to have both parents that were able to support me and stuff like that. And I could, um, attest to being close to your family as well, that they were amazing people and to, to help raise you into the person you became or becoming today is, is quite amazing. Um, transitioning to a little bit of like your childhood and stuff like that. I know you mentioned sports kind of talk to me about some of the sports you played and maybe if there was one that you favored or the other over, over the others, um, just stuff like that. So, like I said, we played like a ton of sports. Like my parents really like let us try everything. Obviously I started riding extremely young. Um, my mom and her sisters all grew up riding. So my mom and her sister bought me a pony when I was three So I started that pretty young and always loved that. Like that was always like a part of me and what I did. But in high school, I started playing field hockey and I loved that. Ran track for a while. Didn't love that as much. Um, But I played field hockey all through high school. And that was like one of my favorites. Like I enjoyed that so much, like meeting the people there and like learning about that. And that was awesome. Yeah, the teamwork aspect yeah. of, of field hockey, I can imagine. I remember playing football and seeing, obviously, the field hockey field was right right next yeah. to the football field. So seeing how hard you guys would work and how much you guys would run was honestly pretty astonishing. For someone who doesn't like track, <laughs> yeah, you did literally. a lot of running. <laughs> like, What were some of the, the benefits of being able to, to kind of to play field hockey, to, to have that team aspect? I always like to kind of pick people's brains about maybe some of like, the lessons that you gain from sports because part of the reason I asked this question um, or at least talk about sports in general is because you could clearly tell, and I hate saying this, people who played sports and people who didn't play sports, like the, the discipline aspect, the, the organization aspect, the teamwork aspect, these are important skills that a lot of us will learn through sports. So I'm curious to, to know, uh, what kind of things that you picked up from playing field hockey or other sports? Yeah, it was definitely transition because like horses were my other thing and that's very individual. Like 
you're not on a team, you're against everyone else, all that. So like going into field hockey, like I had to learn to work with other people and like, I'm very competitive. Like I always want to win and like, I had to learn how to like work with the team so we could all win together. And it wasn't just about me and like everyone had to play their part. And like, you couldn't do more than your part. You had to let other people take control. And that was probably the biggest thing for me, like letting somebody else take the control and help me in return. Yeah. It's like that whole like, kind of like, even like Patriot mindset of just doing your job. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't control everything. And yeah. I'm the same type of way where it's like, um, I was able to eventually become like captain my senior year. And like, yeah. you have to kind of try to rally the, like yeah. the troops and, you can't control those people. You kind of have to let those individuals be those individuals and let them just kind of go and do what they have right. to do. Like you can't control everything. And I think a lot of people. It was like you had to learn to trust everyone else that they were there to also help you. And I did become captain like my senior year and I got a lot better at like being that leader. And like I loved doing that. And that was awesome. Yeah, I think getting into those leadership skills at young ages is like super beneficial into de developing into like your adulthood and having that responsibility almost of being in charge of peers and having to earn the respect. And I think through what you've done on the field hockey field to earn that, obviously you earned the trust and earned the respect to be labeled as a captain. Yeah. And I think that that title speaks for itself for a lot of people who earn it is having put in a lot of that hard work that goes into it. And I think it's like super great for people to understand that playing sports does translate to real life. And 100%. it's just a game on paper, but like the life lessons that you gain from it, the lifelong friendships that you gain from it, you can't put price tags on that stuff. Like I'm st still friends with a lot of people I played sports with and I've interviewed a lot of them to this day. So it's like having these relationships and cultivating them and, and nurturing them, especially when you're young, especially through sports, because there was one thing that you mentioned about learning how to kind of like win together. Mm -hmm. Well, the opposite of that is true is learning how to lose together. Yeah. And I think loss teaches a lot of like valuable lessons and how not to be like a sore loser and stuff of like whether you don't get the job or whether you don't pass the test, like learning to like lose is like just as important as learning to win. Because it's like the whole fluctuation of like like climbing a mountain, like there's ups and downs type things. Like you're never going to win at everything. So you have to be ready for that and know how to handle it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if people who don't play sports necessarily will get, get that aspect yeah. all the time. Um, I want to talk a little bit too, that you mentioned of learning to, to ride and stuff like that. And, um, you mentioned it being very like solo oriented compared mm -hmm. to the team aspect. Um, it's solo, but you also have to build the relationship, obviously, with the horse. horse so, like, okay. like, kind of talk a little bit about that. At, like, learning that at a young age was probably a unique experience. Yeah, so I had a really – I would never trade my, like, horse experience for anything. So I got to spend – like, my aunt had my pony at her barn. Like, I would get dropped off, like, certain days of the week, like, from the bus, like, at my aunt's house. And I would go just, like, hang out with my pony and ride my pony and, like, take care of it and – it's crazy. And like, I spend a lot of time with them now, of course, and like different ones. And I've met billions of horses and they all have like their own personality. And like, you get to get to know them and how to work with them. And they're not all the same. And like, I've never been a patient person. And like that taught me patience, like working with them and learning how to get along with them and how you work as a team in that aspect. But I never worked as a team with like other people. So yeah, it's, I was going to ask that too about the personality aspect of yeah. the animal because obviously 
they're very very intelligent like mm-hmm. creatures. So like having to to learn that, especially at a young age, was probably pretty unique and pretty like intense too. Because yeah. like obviously when you're younger, you're smaller. Like and you're looking at these these animals and they're pretty big in in comparison. Even when we're adults, they're they're yeah. they're massive in comparison. So. To, was there ever like a fear with them at first to try to like even like get on and stuff like that? Or was it just pretty natural? Nope. Um, yeah, I never like I think I started so young, like I don't remember sitting on a horse for the first time. So I was always like super brave and I just like loved it. So there was never that moment where like they scared me. Like I talked to so many people and like horses are so big, they're so scary. And I'm like, no, because like I learned a big part of it is learning how to work around them. And, like, yes, they, like, kick and they bite occasionally. But, like, it's not always, like, malicious. Like, they could kick at a fly. And if you're in the wrong spot, like, you're going to get hit. So, like, it's learning how to work around them. And I learned that, like, extremely young. And I've gotten kicked and I've gotten bit. And I've gotten over that and I've lived and here I am. So Yeah, it's kind of like any other animal, though. Yeah, Obviously, exactly. it might hurt a little bit more if you get kicked yeah. in the wrong way. But Same still. As a big dog bites you. Yeah. Like, you're going to feel it. And it's learning how to work with them and around them yeah i mean working with animals is literally so valuable and mm-hmm. i mean it's probably pretty cool to, to have that animal be so smart because like obviously in comparison to like dogs and stuff because like, obviously i'm thinking of like the closest domestic animal that um usually people have that's somewhat bigger i'm thinking like great danes and stuff like that like bigger dogs like the actual probably brain size between a horse and a dog massive difference yeah and like you said, the personalities of them compared to dogs are probably very different. And just in, in that aspect too, like, did you have to like do any like schooling to understand this or was it very like just kind of what you were taught through, through lessons and through your family and stuff? It's really trial and error. Like, of course, like I had a good base, like my mom and my aunt were horse people and they like, they had done it. So like they taught me a lot. And like, then I got put into like lesson programs where I learned from other people, but like, it really is trial and error. Like you have to learn like, and it's different with every horse. So kind of depends on what you're doing, but yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense actually. And I, I actually just randomly remember too, when you were talking about this is I think I, I don't know if it was the first time I rode a horse, but I think it was with you actually. Um, I could still picture the video. It was like, it was like me, you Jacob. And I think it was, I think it was Sam Longbottom. That makes sense. And I, th- I I could picture the tank top too. I was wearing like a blue tank top and just like laughing. Cause like I was just like bouncing up and down on the horse. And it is such a really cool experience for the people who haven't ridden a horse before mm-hmm. to like, to do that. And for me, I, I'm a big like game of Thrones person. So like it immediately brings me to like that and like riding horses and what, like even like, I think of like Western movies and like what life yeah. might've been like to like travel by horse and stuff like that. Like there's like this weird, like almost like, primal feeling to it it's kind of weird that like it can trigger that like emotion you really do feel connected to the animal on certain level and probably even more for yourself when you're working that closely with them on a day-to-day basis compared to someone who just gets (laughs) on a horse for like the first time yeah like it is like a pretty like valuable thing to do and i don't think people like you said they're kind of scared sometimes to work with animals that big it's just i mean probably a normal fear at first to, to be that, but it seems like horses can be very, very loving too, especially once you give them love. Yes. Um, how is that like aspect with them? Like trying to like earn their trust and earn their love. Um, so I work 
with my job now, I work with a lot of like young horses and I've like brought along like some younger ones and like put miles on them and trained them quite a bit. So I think where I always excelled was not having that fear of them. And like, I'm never going to say I'm going to the Olympics or I'm like the best there's ever been, but I've always been good at like working with them and like you have to do so much. And when you hit their limit, you have to realize it and okay, take it down a notch. Like we've done enough of that for today and like building that relationship with them. Like I'm not going to push you more than you can handle. Like if you can trust me to like take care of you and help you, I'm going to put you in the right spot. Like I'm not going to do anything that's going to hurt you and like things like that. And I've had to work with horses that like have riders that maybe aren't as advanced and have done things that like make them anxious. And like, you can feel that like when you're sitting on them, like you can feel when they're nervous and like a lot of people will feel that and get nervous. Cause like, that's when bad things happen. Like they might buck or they might spook or something like that. And like my ability to like stay calm and be like, okay, you're nervous. We're going to get through this. Like, I've got you. And like that builds the trust with them, like being able to like help them and just work with them time and time again. It sounds, it sounds like, like a, like you're really like a coach too in that aspect yeah. too. It sounds like when I'm hearing that, like almost like a coach to like a star athlete too, is like learning, obviously they might've had a bad coach in the past type thing, or um, even being like somewhat of like, like a parent figure almost yeah. to them and like making sure it's like kind of like looking out is like, these are like my children almost like I need to protect right. them and like make sure that they're like um, loved and nurtured the right way. So they can actually do what you need them to do. Cause if mm-hmm. you treat them like an animal, like they're going to respond probably negatively versus treating them yeah. with love and respect. Like you would probably do to like, like your parents or like your, your brother or your family or your loved ones, like treating them, like that versus just treating like animals. I think that's a big difference in the way that people interact with, with different animals. And I think it's that respect almost too. It is. It is like the respect, like I'm never going to do anything that's like going to put them in harm's way. Like they're athletes. We treat them like athletes. Yeah. And I mean, as much as like we want to like perform and win, win, we need them to help us do that. And we need them to be able to perform. So yeah, absolutely. Especially with the the type of stuff that you've been involved with like yeah. throughout your life. And we'll, we'll dive into, to more of that right. too. Um, with transitioning to like going through school, getting towards high school and getting towards that, like senior year, basically um, kind of like everyone's favorite question almost is the college experience. Like, why are you going to college? Why not go to college? Like, what did you have to like face to kind of make that decision for yourself? And what did you ultimately decide on? Um, I basically knew I was going to college. Like my mom is a teacher. Both of my parents went to college. Like they wanted me to have a good education and like do that. So I knew I was going to college. And I say that, and my brother only made it through one year and they were very understanding and they were like, okay, it's not for you. But like they wanted us to try it. Like they wanted that for us. So I knew I was going to go to college, whether I liked it or not. I was never an honor student or anything like that. But I was like, okay, like I'll give it a go. Like, why not? And I went in like, so I went to school in the South and I went down there so I could be on the equestrian team. Shock. Um, and I went in as like a biology major and I was like, I love science. Science was so fun in high school. That did not last long at all because I was not an honor student and I did not take it very seriously to begin with going to college. 
And I had a very harsh reality check going into my sophomore year of college where I had to like actually try. And then I got more into like the major that I chose and I really liked it. And then that helped a lot. And then I did a lot better in school because I actually enjoyed what I was doing. So Yeah. Was it a, how was the experience of moving like down South and stuff like that? Obviously um, not a lot of people get, that get the opportunity or will take the opportunity to move away from their families. So was that difficult for you at all to make that jump? I had spent a lot of time away from my family during high school. I had done a lot with like, like riding and I had left school for three months, my junior and senior year to like go do that. So I was pretty used to being away from my parents and I'm very independent and I always have been. So that was pretty easy for me. Like I was very comfortable going down to Tennessee. It was a bit of a culture shock, like going there, like very different from up here. But I did enjoy it, and I loved it, and I met, like, so many cool people that I will be friends with forever, so. Is the scene there for, like, riding horses and stuff like that nature? Is that, like, more present there? Is that why Tennessee? Or Honestly, no. I would say I went to school in, like, the middle of nowhere. Like, it was the sticks of Tennessee. Like, it was so funny. It was, like, hateful. Um the college that I went to had an equestrian team and it was division one. There's not a ton of like division one riding. It's growing now, but that was like a school that had one. It's not the best one. Um, but I wasn't trying to go to like Auburn who has like the number one team every year. Like I wouldn't have been, I probably wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to ride on that team. So I went to a little bit of a smaller school and I got to ride and I got to be very successful there, but I'm also hated the cold and being in, the north for the winters. So I knew I wanted to go south. Yeah, that's understandable. It was more of the reason I chose that. Yeah. Um, with actually being able to compete and stuff like that, how was the transition from like obviously going through like childhood into like high school and stuff to like actually college? And like was like the competition harder? Was like the riding like what what were the differences between like what you're doing versus like the college experience on and the competing so it's quite different because the biggest difference is like when you go to college you are on a team so like again for riding that's not very common like usually it's a individual based thing and when I went to college like it's a team and so at least I had field hockey and I had done that so like I was used to being on a team and all that can you explain like how it's like a team aspect and like what you're competing like what are like what's the metrics of this stuff too? yeah so it's it's really different from like anything that I do now and before so basically when you're competing in college, like on division one, there's NCAA, which is like the division one type. And then there's IHSA, which is like a whole different format. So I'm just going to stick to the one that I did. Yeah. yeah, That's no, that's better. fine. Um, but basically you compete at homeschool or you go away to like an Auburn or wherever you go and you ride the horses that are that team's horses. Like we had our own horses at UT Martin, which is where I went. And when the other team comes, basically your starting lineup, there's four events. So four people start and four events, four different people. Um, and you go head to head against a rider from the other team on the same horse. And in the events, like I did jumping and flat for jumping, there's a specific pattern of like these jumps, these jumps, these jumps that you have to do. You get a score. And then the other rider from the other team rides the same horse, does the same pattern, gets a score. Whoever has the highest score gets a point for their team. So you go like that, and at the end of the day, whoever has the most points wins the meet, basically. Okay, okay. That's definitely different probably than what you were doing. Extremely. Yeah. It, what, yeah. what were you doing prior to that? Like, 
into and have the ability to travel were you like constantly competing and did you travel with your own horse to compete or were there when you went down to Tennessee like during your high school and stuff like so I've like really never had my own horse I had my own pony so I had my pony growing up and then I had another pony at one point and for the difference uh what's the difference between having a like a pony versus like the whole like breakdown that for people like myself and other people (laughs) might not know the difference not many people do so a pony is like a small horse like think of it like dog breeds like you have like a dachshund versus like a saint bernard like a dachshund's never gonna get that tall so like a pony is just it's gonna stay smaller like they're meant to be smaller and then a horse is bigger okay okay that makes a lot of sense and i was like we're we're getting like in there i'm like i should probably get this clarification in case someone doesn't know people understand anything about horses yeah i mean a lot of people don't don't ride either i mean it's definitely a unique thing and that's Definitely part of the reason that I wanted to get you on the podcast to talk about these things because this is definitely um, a unique experience that you're able to have. And I think the only other person that I talked to a little bit about this was uh, Raquel Lima, who uh, yeah. she talked about a little bit on her podcast that I did with her. But a lot of that was more her veterinarian work that she was doing and working yeah. towards. But we talked a little bit about that, but not too many people have the ability to to work with horses. And I think that's like it was yeah. like uh Huge reason of why I wanted to get you on this podcast because it's fucking dope, in my opinion. Um, (laughs) When you're going through the experience with college and stuff like that, um, what's kind of the career path that you're looking with with your degree and how are you handling that with also riding? Because obviously you're competing, you're playing a Mm -hmm. sport while also going to college. Like, how are you able to balance that? And then also, where are you going with your your, uh, studies, basically? Yeah. So when I was in college, we really only rode three days a week. So I wasn't riding nearly as much as I was ever used to. So I had a lot more free time and like ability to like actually focus on school. So that really wasn't an issue for me. Cause like I was used to riding six days a week, multiple horses and all that. So for me, I was like, well, this is easy. I have so much free time. Um, and I was a sociology major and I had a minor in criminal justice and I loved like all of that subject matter. I really like enjoyed doing that. I had no idea what my career path was going to be. Um, I had many, many ideas like going through college and then getting ready to graduate college and like never really settled on one thing. Like I was like, okay, I really enjoy doing this. So I'm going to keep doing it. But there was never like a set, like this will be my job. Like I thought about being like a social worker. I thought about going to law school None of it happened. And then I was graduating college and having the panic. And I was like, what am I going to do with my life? And I was going to go get a master's and just really had no plan. I loved what I studied, but I didn't know what I was going to do with it ever. Yeah. I think a lot of people, especially over the last, I'd probably say, I'll put a broad number of like 10 to 15 years of people going to college and coming out with degrees and not really knowing what to do with them or where to go with them. And that's like a huge issue with a lot of the, the, I would say the high schools and even like sometimes it's even like families pushing college, mm-hmm. like college isn't for everybody and it shouldn't be pushed on to everybody. It's a great thing for networking, having like the experience away from family, um, just trying new things. And if you know what you want to study and you know, the career path is good. Uh, I also didn't know for a while yeah. and I went for criminal justice at first and I enjoyed it, but I was like, I just, I couldn't see myself in the career. Right. And I was like, I just need to pivot. And 
classic default pivot. You look at business and then I was like, oh, maybe I'll just look at something in here. And I just didn't want to do like management or like, uh, communications and oddly enough, I do a podcast and communicate every day, but, um, I wish I would have done marketing to better understand how to maybe market the podcast, but I thought practical, I thought accounting finance type thing. And I, I definitely have appreciated the career path that I've taken. Yeah. One of those things that you just kind of, you like, you don't love, but you also don't hate, which is a, a positive. Right. And I think people realizing that more and more is if you can create meaning and purpose outside of your job, because sometimes your job isn't going to be that for you. For a lot of people, it isn't. And I think as we, we get further into this podcast, we'll realize that you were able to kind of combine the two a little bit. And I think that's been really good because not a lot of people will get that experience. Yeah. But I did want to take uh, a chance to kind of give you the opportunity to talk about, I know we mentioned off the podcast during your college experience um, with with your dad and your family and stuff going through those things. If you feel comfortable about talking about that, I'll let you kind of discuss that a little bit. Yeah. So when I was in college, my dad had an accident. He got rear-ended, like freak, random thing. And he went to physical therapy and all this stuff happened where basically he had a bleed in his spinal column. So when I was, I think I was a freshman when this all started, honestly. My mom, like really, like I was so far away. She didn't want me to come home. She didn't want me to panic. So she really didn't tell me like as much that was going on as it was. And he had started to like, lose a little bit of feeling like in his fingers and toes. And my dad is like Mr. Athlete, like does typical man, like never listens to his doctors and was like, Nope, it's fine. And just kept going the way he does. Cause that's my dad. And eventually he had to get a s surgery on his spine. So basically the odds were like, if you don't get it, you're going to become paralyzed and be in a wheelchair. If you do get it, you're probably going to be in a wheelchair, but at least we'll stop the bleeding. So like a lot was happening and they were like, it's fine. Like everything's fine. Stay in school. Everything's okay. And I was like, okay, doesn't sound great, but all right. He had the surgery and it went pretty well. And like most people like after this first surgery, like don't come out walking. And like my dad, like was not gonna take that. So like after the surgery, like he was doing really well, like he was walking, he was still doing things. He had been like in a band for like, 20 something years and like he couldn't really play the guitar anymore so that was really hard for him but like he was walking he was still going hiking like we took a family trip to like South Africa and like he was still like hiking mountains and like just things that he shouldn't have been doing so like he's like some kind of superhero and then a few years went by and it was my junior year it started bleeding again. Like the, they had, couldn't get all of it out. Cause it's like in his spinal column. So it's a really difficult surgery and he had to get another one. So he went into the hospital in New York to get the surgery done. They did it. They did. They realized very quickly. They didn't get all of it. A week later, they had to go in for surgery number three and then COVID hit and he was in New York. So basically he had three spinal surgeries. Um, at this point he was like, paralyzed like right fresh out like he couldn't move or like do anything and we couldn't go see him so that was really hard and like I was home from school because COVID sent us all home um and then he got moved to a rehab facility in Connecticut for six months and we couldn't see him for six months which was terrible and 
like we first started to like go see him and like they'd let us basically look at him through a window and like wave and hold up a sign. And he started to get better and he got a little better. And he could like walk with a walker. Like, and again, like usually people don't walk after the first surgery. So like the way that like he, like to this day, he's like a fighter. Like he knows he's going to beat it. And like, that's just my dad. And like, that's the mentality that me and my brother were raised with. Like you can beat anything if you keep like your mind strong and like keep going with it. So he's incredible and he's like a superhero. I appreciate that you were willing to, to share this on the podcast and I know it brings up emotions and it's definitely a difficult thing to, to talk about. And I always want to thank guests that are willing to, to share stuff that's super personal like that, because I think it gives insight into like the spirit of humans and the spirit of honestly your dad to, to power that power Mm -hmm. through something like that and to, to do it when the odds are against him. And I've had the privilege of knowing your dad and experiencing his spirit. And he's a very like powerful person to, to go through that and to, to show that too, to like you guys and to, to embody that spirit of we're going to get through anything. I could do this, like to not give up, to not just be like, listen to like the doctors almost and be like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to beat the odds against this. And I think that's like a super powerful message for, for people to receive. And I hope they really do receive that. And I just, it's kudos to you and your family too, for like rallying behind him and supporting him through that, especially during COVID. Cause I can imagine that was probably like devastating to experience, especially New York. Yeah. Like I can only imagine the hysteria around that experience. He always says like being in the hospital, he's like the amount of like dead bodies. Like I saw. And I was like, Oh my God, like being stuck there, basically paralyzed and then having to deal with that. Like, I could never, especially with the early pandemic too. Yeah. Like people, like it was like the plague at that point. Like people yeah. didn't know how serious this was, what this was, what the cures were going to be, what not cures, but preventions. I right. would say, and I would, could imagine probably post surgery a little bit immune uh, immune compromised. So like mm-hmm. the risk is gone up. You're in the hospital, surrounded probably by a lot of it at this time because it's very. Yeah. Uh, contagious at this point so it was probably very devastating to to not be able to see him too like because yeah. the hospitals were very like not willing to allow people in for obvious reasons i get at the time but man there was a lot of people that definitely suffered from those covid restrictions that like 100%. weren't uh how do we say beneficial or as good as they probably could have been but we you don't know so i mean you can only do things with the information that you're given and to have that role model though in your life clearly has had a huge impact on you in the way that you approach life. And it shows in the way that you carry yourself, even through the podcast, through just knowing you as a person, it's, you have a spirit that willingly wants to conquer and that willingly wants to do good things. And I think that is being portrayed through this episode and especially being able to share that. And, um, obviously you guys might not be able to see her as she's talking, but I can see the, the emotions and the, the, some of the pain that of going through that experience. And I always just have to appreciate people that are willing to show that because a lot of people are scared to, to show emotions like that when things are difficult. And even the fact that you mentioned off podcast that you don't like to get a little bit emotional about stuff, but 
I think it's good to to see that and to express that, especially about something like this when it's family. Like family, what I say is family is everything. My family means the most to me, and uh, I think it does to to most people as well. So I always appreciate that you're willing to to dive into that. Um, taking a switch towards the kind of post college. So you you finish up college, you get your degree, and now you're looking towards your career. Kind of what's the plan? What are you doing now? Sheer panic. <laughs> that was the plan. Um, I So I graduated, and I had sent out a few job offers. I got a job offer to coach college equestrian riding um, out in South Dakota. And I was really, like, thinking about that. I had come home, and I didn't really know what I was going to do. And I was working at the barn that I've worked for basically since I was 15. And just riding and, like, just, like, making money at that point. Like, it's my job. Like, I've always loved doing this. Like, until I find what I'm going to do, like... It's just something to, like, keep me going and, like, make a little money. And I was, like, I had two job offers, and my trainers, who I've been with forever, like, approached me. They made a joke about firing me, and I was, like, I can't handle this right now. And they offered me the job to become a professional and actually ride for them and, like, be their rider. And I was, like, oh, my God. Too many options. Like, I completely was so overwhelmed and had no idea, like, what I wanted to do. And at the end of the day, it really came down to, I was like, I love riding. Like, this is what I've done, like, my whole life. And, like, I still enjoy it. And I talk to so many people who I work with, and they're like, I hate horses. I cannot, like, I love going on vacation and, like, being away from horses. As soon as I go on vacation anywhere, I'm like, where should we go ride a horse? Like, I genuinely love it. So I was like, you know what? Like, I'm still young. I want to keep riding while I physically can. I was like, if I want to go coach, I can always fall back on that. Like having more riding experience won't hurt me. So I ended up taking the job and like working for my trainers and becoming a professional. So that's so great. And like to hear the fact that you're able to, it's, it's goes to the whole notion of, um, actually today was, um, I was looking at my Facebook memories and it was, three years ago that my grandfather passed who was on episode two and uh, I have his quote, take a chance tatted on me with his signature from that episode because his advice was if you're doing something you don't want to do or you want to try something new to just take that chance. And that right there is the embodiment of taking the chance. Like you're young, you're able to still ride and why not? It's only going to benefit you with what you want to do and it's the continuation of pursuing your passion. And man, not enough people are willing to take that risk. And for you to feel confident enough in your own self to 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 make that decision, to make that choice, speaks volumes about your character and who you are and where you want to go in life. Because typically people will fold to the pressures of society, to the pressures of their family, to the pressures of their job. And for you to kind of be like, no, I'm going to do this for me, sends a powerful message to not only people probably listening, but to the people around you that you're going to do what you want to do and you're going to do the things that make you most happy. And I think that's a positive message for, for people to hear. And to continue to, how do I say this, pursue this and to, to learn things, to be willing to learn to to, to go through this, to be a professional rider is kind of a cool, cool title. When I asked for your title, I was like, damn, that's kind of fucking dope. Like to, to hear that, that, uh, title 
like what kind of responsibilities are with this role that are maybe different than in previous experiences working with horses and stuff like that? So it's kind of similar. Like there's more that comes with it, but like I still do. So we have a farm that has about usually like when we're fully loaded, it's about 40 horses. And we have a lot of clients who board with us and keep their horse with us year round. We train them, they compete for us, all that. And then we also have a pretty big like import and like sales part of us. So my, one of my bosses is from Belgium and his family had like a breeding farm. So we'll import young horses from Europe. We'll ride them, we'll train them and we'll resell them here. So that's kind of what I did beforehand. And I still do quite a bit of that, but I also like, I ride our clients' horses. I make sure that they're good to go. When we put the client on them, nothing's going to go wrong. The horse is ready because a lot of our clients are not professionals. They're, none of them are. Um, so, like, the horse has to be able to help them more than it would have to help me. Like, we have to teach them those skills. Like, all right, like, you got to do your part. Like, you got to take care of your lady. And this is how it's got to be. And then I also have started coaching and, like, my primary good uh, my primary job is to ride and train the horses but when my head boss is not around i'm also the assistant trainer so i'll coach the people and do all that which is far more stressful to i was going to say how how is that experience cuz it sounds like teaching and coaching people to ride is probably a very difficult thing especially when there's probably a little bit of nerves for a lot of these people yeah. to do it it's been I'm actually, like, I enjoy it more than I ever thought I would. I've been, like, someone, like, I've always been really good under pressure. Like, nerves don't really get to me. And, like, now I'm coaching, and I have to send people in the ring, and I'm, like, a basket case. And I'm, like, oh, my God, nothing better go wrong. Like, and it's been so much fun, though. Like, of course, it's different with everybody I coach. Like, there's some who are, like, awesome, and it's great, and some are a little harder for me. But it's learning to work with, like, their nerves and, like, teach them how to work with the horses that I also work with. So it's been crazy. But. Yeah. Learning how probably doing the regular, like obviously riding the horse and training them and helping them be ready helps you help the client. Exactly. So like, that's like a definitely uh, probably a big benefit. And the fact that you're able to help start coaching people kind of might help you in the future. If you do want to pursue that, like you mentioned, right. like having that experience of working with people and, even people who are probably less experienced than people you would coach, but like still having that experience to coach and teach is so valuable. And to be in that role probably helps you learn even more, not about just yourself, but about riding horses and how to like work with them. Cause I always think of like people tell me about like when you're teaching like something new that it makes you kind of like a master of it. Cause if you're able to teach it, you have to know it on a specific level or a certain level that you're able to kind of like describe it and um, communicate that to the people on how to do it. So it takes a level of like confidence in yourself too. Yeah. Cause like that's, it is nerve wracking to try to teach something to someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. And especially in your situation where there, there's an animal involved that also has feelings and emotions that you have to like consider when right. you're riding. I will definitely say like teaching, like, I've probably been coaching and like teaching people for like two years now, maybe. And it has 100% made me a better rider. Like the way that I can, like, I've had to learn how to like say things to people in a way that they will understand. And like, 
it shows me like things that I've missed and like things that I can't see when I'm the one doing it. And it's like emphasizing like, okay, it's really important to go do this. And I'm like, I haven't really been doing that. Like I need to get better at that. So it's really like beneficial to like be able to take a step back, see how they're doing it, see what the horse is responding and like really help myself with that. And then also return that to them. hundred percent. That's really great advice actually is, being able to step back and notice the things. Cause when you're doing stuff daily and constantly, you'll start to like skip over the mini things. Exactly. And eventually those mini things actually might come back to haunt you and cost you in scenarios, especially when they're a little bit more high risk when you're dealing with, with riding and animals and things of that yeah. nature where they could also be having a bad day too. They so often like, throw a wrench in most it, of my plans. Yeah. So, so you got to like consider to that. Pivot. Yeah. And having that ability to kind of be able to step back and see what you're teaching but learning from the teaching as well and making you a better rider that's like really great advice even that you could apply to anyone who's doing anything is once you're in that position to coach to teacher to teach to mentor um you really become that master and you have to kind of reflect on what you were doing in that situation too as well and i think that's like really important for people i did want to take a chance to kind of ask about um diving a little bit with like the mental health aspect that um, with riding for you is kind of like, almost like, it seems like, like your, your way to kind of disconnect from the outside and kind of really be present. Um, what's, what's the experience like for you? How does it help your mental health? Cause it seems like this is kind of like, like when I think of someone who's playing music, when they're playing music, like everything shuts off and they're just in the moment. Is that kind of like a similar experience or like what kind of things are you experiencing that help you with your mental health while working with horses or riding? I would say it it is similar to that. Like I've been able like, because like my start was like working with like younger horses and like training them, like I can focus on my horse and like what I need them to do for me. And like, like I said, like I'm not the greatest at what I do, but like I can keep a very level head and I can stay patient and like do things like that. So like for me, it's the ability to focus on the horse and take things one at a time. Like, I know that they are my partner. And, like, there are certain days that, like, they're not on it. And I'm like, all right, I have to do a little more here. And there are certain days that they save my ass, like, time and time again. So, like, being able to focus on them and, like, not everything else. Like, I don't, I will say I do do better under pressure. I always have. So, like, the competition aspect of it does help me. Because, like, I know the eyes are on me. And, like, I have this title of being a professional. I'm like, I better not mess it up. Like, I like to be competitive and I like to win. So that's really helpful for me. And I've never, I've never struggled very much with my mental health. Like, I've always been really good. And, like, I do accredit most of that to my dad. And, like, what he's taught me and how to be, like, an athlete and a comp- competitor. Um, the more I've coached the more I've been able to understand that because there's so many people that I train who do deal with that. And I would say the biggest thing is going back to the basics. Like I have people who like stress out and everything all at once. Like I have to get this done and this done and this done and this done to make this all perfect. I'm like, nope, focus on these two things. This is it. This is your job. The rest is on the horse. Like and working, like that's what I think working with the animal does so much. Yeah. I think that advice could be applied for a lot of people is just, a lot of people overcomplicate things and it really is if you just focus on the basic stuff. Like I think about even just like podcasting, I was talking about like doing all the, the um, 
different settings on the camera and the sound. Like, just get back to the basics. Does it record? Does it sound good? Yeah, good. Send it out. Like, get back to that and worry about that other stuff later. But, like, learn how to, like, use the equipment. Learn how to turn on the camera. If you don't know how to do that, it'd be kind of crazy. But, like, uh, just, like, the basic stuff, though. And I'm trying to, like, make that comparison for anyone that's out there. It's always going back to that basic stuff and just doing things simply. And perfecting that and it's it also sounds like too you kind of have like that like kind of like kobe bryant mentality like where it's just like the the pressure aspect doesn't phase you and i think that's really cool to to hear is the pressure helps you and it motivates you and i think it's cool to see how different people work under different circumstances like the pressure might crush most people but for you that's also why you're a professional you're able to thrive in those situations. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's really dope. And I think not a lot of people are like that or wired like that. And I think that's really cool that, that you're able to do that and be like that. Um, we are getting towards like the back end of the the conversation. So I want to start like wrapping things up and yeah. tying the bow on some stuff. Um, I do have one more question for you. It's kind of how I wrap up the podcast, but I wanted to give you a chance to say or plug anything that you might not have mentioned in the podcast if you feel like you missed something um I don't really think so like I honestly think one of the things that you said earlier was like learning how to lose I think that's like the biggest part of life and it can tie into anything and working with horses and in the horse industry I work with a lot of people who have a lot of money I don't I never have so like I had to work extremely hard like to get where I am and I see these kids and these things who take for granted what they have and especially with horses it shows like if something goes wrong like they just shut down and like you need to learn how to function if it doesn't go perfectly and I think that's like the biggest thing that horses have taught me like you need to learn how to pivot like Life is not going to be perfect. Everything is not going to go your way. And you need to learn how to adjust and keep going. Because you can't just give up and quit. Like, you have to keep going and keep trying. Yeah, I think that's really, really great advice to build off the the losing aspect. Because, like, that is really, like, yeah. the, the, the point of that, too, is, like, people who don't experience loss, whether it is a sport, whether it is a breakup, whether you're losing a pet, a family member, whatever it is, not experiencing loss really is going to mess you up when you do experience that first loss. Cause we can all think about moments when we first lost someone in our family or we had that first breakup. Like those emotions are very high and can be crippling at first, but not experiencing that early on can be even more detrimental. Cause if you don't know loss in life and then experience it later in life, you don't have the tools to cope with that. Yep. And I, I don't think not, it's more typically those scenarios where the, the finances are a little bit higher for people in scenarios where they're a little bit more protected. Right. Even if you think about the partici- participation trophy society that we live in with sports, it's kind of that energy where, mm-hmm. no, you're not a loser. Uh, you get a trophy for just showing up. Right. No, there's winners and losers. Like That teaches valuable lessons and incentivizes people to try hard to win. Yeah. It's the competitive nature that is a good thing for society because it also – helps innovation, creativity, and push new ideas forward. You need that competitive nature. Like, I always think about me and my my buddy uh, Wally from the Ever-Changing Vibe, that we are, we compete with each other whether we want to or not, but we always will collab and have fun together. But at the end of the day, we 
we motivate each other to do better. Like I referenced on his episode that will probably be out um, when this episode probably comes out, I believe. Um, but we were talking about um, how he's helped me or I've helped him create his podcast. We've helped kind of like build off that. And lately hearing him talk about journaling and meditating and stuff like that and going on his walks has helped me kind of refocus and start to develop a new project that I'm working on that I kind of told you about. But I think that competitive nature helps inspire things. And I think it's really great, but tying it back to the losing stuff, I think that was a really great point to, to hit on. Um, I do have one more question for you to, to kind of wrap things up here. And this is the question that I always ask everybody, but what would your advice be to someone who wants to pursue their passion? Go for it. Do it. Like what is the worst that can happen? Like I always, people like always ask me, like I work crazy hours, like the horse community. It's not real life. Like I work six days a week, like 12 hour days, pretty consistently. Like I never have time and I love it. And people are like, how much money do you make? And I'm like, nothing. I don't get paid a lot. And I don't care because I genuinely love doing what I do. And I'm going to keep doing it until there's a day that I don't love it. But why not? Like life is not all about making money and having success. Like success is whatever you make it. And I love doing what I do. So I would say I'm successful. Do I have my own house? No. Do I have like a huge fancy car? Absolutely not. But I get to go to work every day and literally ride horses around. So I think I'm doing pretty well. So I would say definitely go after your passion for sure. Perfect. I think it's really great advice. And I think, it, I mean, definitely is hitting home for, for me lately in, this, in the situations that I've been in. And uh, people put too much emphasis on the dollars that they're making versus the experiences that they're having and, and enjoying what they're actually doing. So Abby, I appreciate you coming on this podcast and, and sharing your life story with me and going into details about things. I, I just really do appreciate that. No problem. Thanks for having me. Of course. Of course. Uh, for you guys, if you guys like the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with your grandma. Check it out. The Carol connection, not simplecast.com. Also available Apple podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. If you want to watch the podcast, go on YouTube, search the Carol connection or at Jed M. Carol, and it should pop up for you. And if you want to be a guest or return as a guest, hit me up on Instagram at Jared M. Carol or at the Carol connection, and we will set that up. So till next time, guys, peace.